Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. It's Wednesday, 9 27 of 2023. It's hump day, ladies and gentlemen. Wednesday, the day to get over the hump to get make your week going. I'm sitting here live for the first time with Andy P on the Level Up podcast on Fans First Sports Network. We normally rock out with you guys on Spotify, and we talk sometimes on Apple Podcasts. But we're going live for our first actual inaugural Level Up podcast that we can share with our fans and all those people out there in YouTube land. So, Andy, first show, first time ever with the live stream. What's going on with you, man? Talk to me. Having a great time, to be honest. It's been a great uh, week so far of college football. I'm excited. My Syracuse Orange are 4-0. We got Clemson coming to the Dome this weekend. Like It's it's all coming up orange. It's, it's, been, it's been a good week so far. How about yourself, Big G? Yeah, for sure. Hey, so listen, you know we're live now, so I can hit them with signs. That is a fact. <laughs> that is a fact, 100% <laughs> fact, that the Syracuse Orange are 4-0. And you know... I'm feeling some kind of way. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But my Buckeyes, man, OHIO, went did a little something over in South Bend, Indiana. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll talk a little bit. But they're not on our recap this week and or about our preview for the games. But we got a couple of pivotal games that we're going to discuss and talk about. And we might get a little OSU talk. We might get a little USC talk. We might get a little just games that are not on the schedule with how we're feeling about the top teams as far as me and, me and Andy's recap or rundown of this week's games. Definitely, I want to talk maybe just a hot second or two about those Washington Huskies because, listen, Big G called it. Before the season started, I said my, my, my final four, Texas Longhorns, Washington Huskies, Ohio State Buckeyes, and the Georgia Bulldogs. It's looking real strong like that right now. But we'll see. We'll see as we go. So, Andy... Let's get to the rundown. Let's get to the show. Let's get to what we do when we talk college football. Game one this week, the Utah Utes that snuck into UCLA, and I don't know how in the heck they got the victory, and one will go up against Oregon State, who's coming off of a sort of a punishment game, where they got mauled by the Washington State Cougars, man. So this is a 4-1 team going against an undefeated team. Who you got out there, man, for sure, this week? It was really interesting watching what Utah did. I think, you know, you you mentioned it right off the top. When you look at the Pac-12, might be one of the strongest conferences in terms of what you've got in the top half of the conference. Because yeah. you've got Washington, who I agree with you. I think Washington is a playoff contender. We're going to talk about, when we talk about Colorado, we're going to talk about what Oregon did out there. I think that team's a playoff contender with what they've shown so far. Yeah. And you've got USC, who we're going to really dive into with that Colorado uh, game preview. USC, definitely going to make some noise. They've got probably the best player in all the Pac-12 and Caleb Williams. So yeah. outside of those three, you've still got a list of a lot of really good Pac-12 teams that yeah. might not necessarily have the ceiling of a national title contender, yeah. but are definitively going to cause issues for any team that wants to go undefeated in the conference. And I think Utah, for them, this is a game where we find out, you know, does Utah get elevated up into that top category of playoff adjacent, playoff competitive, go to the, you know, win, go to the Pac-12 championship game? Or nice. is Utah in that secondary group of, look, we're going to be a tough game for you, but we're not necessarily in that elite tier. And for me, it all starts with the offense. Like yeah. at this point in time, if you look at SP plus, which is a predictive measure, it adjusts for tempo on offense and defense. Utah number eighteen in the country. It pretty much aligns with their you know number ten ranking in the AP poll. They yeah. have the eighth best defense in the country via SP plus. It's fantastic. It's right up there with some of the best defenses that you think about. You know the Ohio States, the Georgias, the Michigans. Utah's right up there. 
Facts. The offense is ranked 37th, and that is just not going to cut it at an elite level, and it all goes back to the quarterback play. I yeah. have just not been impressed from what I've seen on film, from the games that I've watched. Utah is keeping it very vanilla. They're keeping it very safe. A lot of designed quarterback runs, a lot of very quick, easy quarterback reads, you know, mm. keeping things in the middle of the field behind the first down sticks. That's that. That's going to be how you win games and how you, you know, have a high floor. It's not going to be how you go into a tough environment, how you go into a big game and make the splash plays necessary to win. Yeah, facts. I, I think that they've kept it real vanilla with Nate Johnson playing quarterback versus having rising out there. I think the kid's only thrown for like 300 yards. He hasn't thrown for nothing more than that. And they're not scoring abundance of offensive touchdowns. The issue is for the Utah Utes, they're finding out ways to score on defense. I think they got 15 sacks, five interceptions, two interceptions returned for touchdowns. So Utah is out there balling their hearts out and doing everything that they possibly can do to remain in the game. And so that you got to mud it up. And especially with the new college football rules that's out there this year, you can you can kill a game fast just by dedicating yourself to run the ball, run the play clock down to nothing, and just spread the guys outside the zone and run it right up the middle. Heck, if you go 45 seconds three times, that kills almost two minutes and a half with the four plays. So, so that's what Utah's been doing. They've been mudding it up and able to win games. That's definitely what they did against UCLA. And they had an outstanding effort on defense with that interception return for a touchdown. So we talked a little bit about Utah, Oregon State, man. They, they, they were supposed to have been the bully between Washington State and Oregon State. And they went to Washington State and got bullied. you know. But I'm not down on them yet. I think they're still a serviceable squad. I just don't know. Is it DJ Uluwe or who, what is it about? Why did they get bullied against Washington State? Tell me that, Andy. Tell, talk to me about why they got bullied. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is that Oregon State is definitively a team that can probably beat Oregon, Washington State, USC if those schools have a bad day. Uh, mm. the, the defense, though, is just not where it needs to be. Um, if you know, One of the things that I like to look at um, our efficiency numbers. It's essentially, you know, how consistently are you making plays that get you close or above a first down? How yeah, how yeah. consistently are you doing those things? Are you relying on splash plays or can yeah. you do it a lot? And their defense is are their defense is just letting teams be far too efficient on them. And we saw that uh, we saw that against Washington State. Washington State was just able to move the ball at will Mold. against them. Yeah, just straight mold, just straight mold. Yeah, bully ball, and and it's pretty much it's primarily because they can't stop the run, they can't stop designed quarterback runs, they can't stop runs up the gut, they can't stop mm. zone read runs. You mm. know, they they're actually uh you know uh, defensively in terms of efficiency ranking, they're sixty eighth in the country. You know, it just it just means it's too easy to move the ball versus on offense. I think one of the challenges that we've seen with DJU mm. is that he is very good at making the safe check down play. He's really yeah. good at hitting guys between the numbers. He's really good at those like outside sideline routes, that quick yeah. stuff. And and to be and to be fair to the Oregon State coaching staff, they've done a great job getting him confident doing that, and they've done a great uh, great job get rolling him out of the pocket to make those throws easier. The problem yeah. is that he's just not hitting them consistently. No, uh, he is not. somebody who's very comfortable throwing the deep ball and make and hitting that deep ball consistently. But if you can't hit your layups. Teams are just going to, you know, they're just going to sit back on you and they're going to say, you know, complete, complete these passes. And yeah. he's comfortable. He's comfortable making the plays, but he's not executing on the plays. And, you know, yeah. it's one of those situations where this is kind of the difference between college and the NFL, where mm -hmm. at the NFL level, guys, if you give them the opportunity to execute, they're going to take advantage of it in college. Yeah. You know, it's a different level of talent. And I think we're seeing with DJU it's, and especially with this Oregon State team the execution is just not at an elite level. It's a very good level. Like, let, yeah. don't get me wrong there. But it's it's just not where it needs to be when we're talking about the highest levels of the Pac-12 or college football. Yeah, one, one of the guys on my Know It All's podcast on Sunday told me that he's the West Coast version of Jalen Milrow. You know, he can yeah. throw the deep pass. He can he can hit the little the little cross, little dump outside screen. But if you ask him to do a check down and read a, z a zone defense and catch a guy coming across from hash mark to hash mark, it's not going to happen. He's going to look at the first read and tuck and go. And teams are playing to that. Keep everything in front of you and just let him – he's going to make a mistake. So let him run hash mark to hash mark, sideline to sideline, because he's not really fast, but he's a load. 
You know, so that's that's been the issue. They don't have the guy that can just house it on them. You know, I think he's thrown for 828 yards, something like that, but he's only got three touchdowns. So that's telling me that all of his little passes are check, check, check. And every now and then he throws one over the top, which might connect and might not. So that's the deal with Oregon State. Defensively, I think you're 150% right. They got bullied against Washington State, man. They they hit Washington State hit Oregon State with every freaking run play you could possibly invent. They was hitting them with the they was hitting them with the little fast zone sweeps. They was hitting them with RPOs. They was lining up with two and three guys in the backfield going straight at them. Every kind of way that they could run the ball, they ran it on them, man. So this is going to be the week we're going to find out really who's a pretender and who's a contender for actually being in the hunt for the Pac-12 between Utah and Oregon State. And I think the loser of this game is eliminated from the conversation. You agree, Andy? Absolutely. And I think that this is one of those games where if it was a home game for Utah, I I don't even know if we'd be talking about this game as in-depth because it'd be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a Utah win. No no worries. But when you go on the road in a conference game on a Friday night and you Mm. don't know the quarterback situation, like, you know, we're sitting here Wednesday night and we still don't know – Who's going to be starting a QB for Utah uh, in this game that's taking place in 48 hours? And that Rex, to me yeah. is that is a red flag. I think that Utah's defense is good enough to shut down Oregon State the way that we saw Washington State do it. Mm. But man, uh, I don't the the Oregon the the Utah offense even without having a quarterback mm. hasn't been as committed to the running game as as you would think they have been, and it's, yeah. it's somewhat worrying to me that this game could get re- like could be an ugly game. Like that U- that UCLA game, I was watching it. I was hoping for like, you know, a fun smash mouth like old school game. It was just yeah. it was just a muddy game. It was just absolutely terrible all the way around. Yeah. UCLA couldn't really UCLA was making mistakes. Utah wasn't really doing anything against a UCLA defense that I don't think highly of. Yeah. I think that Utah can survive until Cam Rising comes back, but they're not going to thrive until he does. So if they lose this game, yeah, you're, you're going to be in trouble for the rest of the way. And if Oregon State loses this game, that's two Pac-12 losses. You're out of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, Andy, I'm glad you said about mudding it up and everything because I think the maximum effort that's going to be played <laughs> on this game this week is the team that's going to win. I think they're evenly matched because of the deficiencies that goes on with the Oregon State offense versus the, the non-availability of rising at quarterback for Utah. So now, okay, where's it come down to? Both defenses, I'm not all the way sold, even though that that Utah's defense has played very well with all those sacks and those and those five interceptions to return for touchdowns. So, Andy, you know how we get down on the Level Up podcast on Fans First Sports Network. We make a prediction, and we tell you what the score is. So, Andy, I'm going to swing it to you first, bro. Who's going to win between Utah and Oregon State and tell me why with the score? I'm telling you right now, uh, this is another one of those games where I'm looking at the line. You know, right now Vegas has it as an Oregon State three-point favorite. And mm. I it's tough for me to really trust the Oregon State defense to shut down this Utah offense, mm. even as bad as the Utah offense has been. Especially because I, you know, like you said, Utah's defense has done such a great job of making games dogfights. I don't know if Oregon State can win a dogfight. I think Oregon State can win it when you want to air it out. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not sure that they can win down in the mud. I'll, I'll tell you this right now. The ultimate cop out here, if Cam Rising plays in this game, it's a Utah win. Write that down in Sharpie. I will take that to the grave. But <laughs> with with without Cam Rising playing, this is this is a real tough one. I think Utah wins this one. 17 mm. to 14 something real ugly something real nasty yeah but uh it would not surprise me if oregon state comes out fast they take some deep shots early and they try to make yeah. utah chase the game if that happens oregon state's gonna win this one going away i just i just think that that utah defense is too good and i'm never gonna i'm never gonna doubt a kyle winningham defense again Man, he's hard to, to pick against because when you think he's not going to win, he wins, man. And he and he always likes to mud it up, even with Rising playing quarterback. He wants to mud up the football game. So my heart tells me Utah, but nah, I'm going with the Oregon State uh, Beavers, bro. I think that they realize that, no, 
that their ability to stay relevant in the Pac-12 conversation for the conference championship game rests on this game for sure. And they and they have to win. So coming back home after taking a beat down, there's nothing like home cooking, man, to come back home and get your schedule right, get your season right. So give me Oregon State to win the game 24 to, to 14. I like Ooh. Oregon State to win with DJ getting two tutties, one passing and, and I mean one passing and one rushing. Give me, give me Oregon State 24 to 14 for sure, for sure. All right, man. So Hey, what's up, Tim Lyons? What's crack-a-lacking, man? That's one of the guys over from Running Through the Jungle, Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Great to have you in the live chat, for sure, for sure. All right, man. Next game, for sure, Andy P. And I think, I, you know what? I'm not going to say that there was bias with this, but, man, you do a great job with picking scheduled games. But, man, we have to talk about the USC Trojans and the Colorado uh, Buffaloes playing this week because this is a swing from the fence game. You know, the 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 Colorado Buffaloes got it handed to them last week handily up in Eugene, Oregon, 42 to 7. And USC looks sort of trash. I'm gonna hit them with my first trash side on the level of podcast. They look trash, <laughs> even though they got the win 42-28 against Arizona State. Arizona State is not gonna win another football game all season. They're not that good. And no. USC's defense looks suspect. So, Andy. Break it down a little bit for our fans out there and talk to them about USC versus Colorado in Boulder. Yeah, one of the things that I don't think that we've talked enough about when it comes to teams coached by Lincoln Riley is how bad these defenses have been. This was consistent mm. uh, at Oklahoma. This yeah. was something that happened last year with USC. It's mm-hmm. something that you just kind of assume that he will eventually hire someone who's very mm-hmm. good at defense to yeah. come in and be the defensive coordinator here. But at this point, you you have to call it a trend. Like he he has all the money and resources in the world, and this defense is still a mess. Now again, yeah. I know he's only been at USC for a little bit. I know that you know it takes time to get to get new things in there. But Dion has shown that you can portal the heck out of a roster yeah. and get and really elevate your team to the next to the next thing. And mm-hmm. so when I look at this game, I I still think that Oregon laid out the blueprint for a lot of things that teams can do against Colorado that the yeah. warning signs were there in the first few games of the season. Shador, yeah. tremendous quarterback. He holds onto the ball too damn long on plays that are lost. And he tries, right. he tries to he tries to hero ball it. And what Oregon did was say, okay, you're going to draw, you're going to run around for 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. We will take that 10 yards in a sack and have you chasing the chains the whole game long. I don't necessarily think that USC can do that consistently. Their pressure rate is aggressively average compared to the rest uh, of the NCAA. Mm. And uh, on the ground, USC's uh, rushing defense efficiency is uh, 72nd in the country. They're, they're a lot Mm. better at stopping the passing game. They have a top 40, you know, pass defense uh, in terms of efficiency rating. But Mm -hmm. that rushing offense is not great. And you talked about it in the last preview here. Mm -hmm. Um, The the way that the rules have changed now allows you to slow down the game. And when you're playing USC, the number one defense for USC is keeping Caleb Williams off the field. And, And we know that the Colorado offensive line is not the best. But the mm. USC defensive line is nowhere near that top elite level that you even face in the rest of the Pac-12. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing to watch here, I love Sean Lewis. I think he's a tremendous offensive coordinator. Mm. I want to see how the zone running scheme is going to work out here. Because if he yeah. can get the ball in space, if they can kind of neutralize the size advantage that USC is going to have in the trenches, like we've seen Colorado do so far this season yeah. uh, against Nebraska, uh, especially that game really sticks out in my mind. If you're able to do that, I think that this is going to be a much closer game than even the Vegas lines have kind of moved to because I think everyone's overreacting to a t- an Oregon team that, based off of what we've seen from the locker room speeches and from the uh, from the post-game videos that they've sent out, Oregon was never going to lose that game, and they yeah. were never going to score anything less than 40 points in that game. They wanted that game in a way that I don't think anybody has wanted a game so far this season. Yeah, Oregon Oregon had to prove that they were a top 10 team and they belong. What's up, Mod Bell? Defense is garbage at USC without a shadow of a doubt. 
But so they they wanted that game to prove that they were a top 10 team and they deserve to be in the conversation and the talk for the college football playoff. The issue is, is that they did lay down, down the blueprint to beat uh, Colorado. But I don't know if USC has the same athletes and the same type of players that Oregon had on their defensive comparative too. I think USC can get a little bit of pass rush on Shador. But I think that Dylan Edwards is the key for this win this week for the Colorado Buffaloes, if they're able to pull it out. Because I, I saw I saw them struggle. I saw USC struggle tremendously with Arizona State's running back. I think the kid had 100 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving. And I'm telling you right now, I might be able to beat him on a 40-yard run. <laughs> like, that kid was slow <laughs> as dirt, bro. You know, and he, but he killed him. He, they were running him out the background, running him up the scene, running him on flare routes. And for all you guys that don't have it, make sure you get Patreon and watch the All-22 film so you can see some of the things that me and Andy's talking about. Because when you go back and you're able to see what the scheme was in against them and how they just torched USC's um, offense, I mean defense, you understand and know USC can be had. But the, on the flip side, like you said, they might have the best, the reigning, the double-up Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams. So he's going to want to – Caleb Williams is going to want to score 50. Does that play into Deion and Shador's hands? Because we've seen this already where a team tried to run the score up on them with Texas uh, Texas Christian University and TCU, and it ended up playing in the favor of the Colorado Buffaloes. So I'm thinking that maybe if they're able to get healthy, everybody's ready to go, that they have an opportunity to pull this thing out. But we'll talk about it and chop it up. Andy, your keys to the game for the Trojan boys, keys to the game for Colorado, and I need a score prediction out of you, bro. Yeah, I think for me, I talked about the zone running game a little bit. The other part of this is going to be the, the Colorado defense versus Caleb Williams. Like Caleb mm. Williams is going to get his. He's going to have a couple of passing touchdowns. USC has one of the best offenses in the country, depending on mm. how you chop it up. If you go mm. by SP+, which is my personal favorite, they have the best offense in the country. Facts. So it's it's one of those things that you're going to have to take the – you're going to have to take the L there. The big thing, though – this is where missing Travis Hunter is really going to hurt you. Yeah, because man. USC is going to take those shots, and a guy like Travis Hunter can either take away certain sections of the field or penalize that rare mistake that happens uh, by Caleb Williams. And yeah. we, we, you know, it sounds like right now Cormani McLean, he's not doing what he needs to do off the field to even get yeah. close to getting into the rotation, let alone starting at cornerback. Yeah, yeah. The rest, the rest of that room is just not portaled enough to be at a point where I feel like Colorado has any hope of stopping USC. Mm. So all things for me, all things considered, I think that we're going to see another USC game. Like what we saw against Arizona state. I think USC mm. is going to put up 45 points and yeah. I think Colorado is going to put up 28 ish points, but the USC's defense is just good enough to stop Colorado uh, enough times to, to pull out the victory while on the other side of the ball, I don't think Colorado is going to get a single stop in this game just because if you're, if you're, you know, USC, you're attacking them through the air consistently. You're not running the ball unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that that's probably going to be the key to the game for the Trojan boys. But the one thing about that is Colorado's defensive backs is the strength of their defense. When you have Shiloh, you have, uh, if Travis Hunter, I, I listen to what I heard. I, as for all of our fans out there listening, I heard that Travis Hunter told Prime he wants to play, said he's ready to go, and Dion saying he can't play. But then I heard that Dion is going to listen to the recommendations of the medical staff for Colorado versus his own feelings. So I think as we get closer towards the game, you might hear something about that Travis might want to get out there and strap it up this week. Is he going to be at 100%? I don't know. But I think that Travis will definitely try his best to get on the field. If Hunter plays, we got a different ball game. Because the one thing that I know about Caleb Williams that he will do for sure, that dude will throw a pick. He will <laughs> force a ball. He will force it across the middle. He will force it deep. But USC's got those athletes that you got to play those guys single press and give safety over the top or you're in trouble. So I, I do think I'm going to ride with the Trojans this week, even though my heart don't want to let me. But I think it's going to be close. I want to say 42-35, USC has the ball last and wins. 
but it's going to be a high scoring issue because I think that Shiloh, I mean, that uh, Shador can run with Caleb Williams, neck for neck, pass for pass, touchdown for touchdown. But USC has a little bit better defense than Colorado has. So I like the game. I like the aspect of the game. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. And, you know, once again, I'll say the same thing that I said last week with Coach Prime. If he was able to go to Eugene, things would change. If he's able to beat the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and and, and Lincoln Riley that come into to Colorado and play, and he pulls a win, the portal's going to look a little bit different for sure, for sure, moving forward with the Colorado Buffaloes. Tim, you're right. Colorado has done crazy stuff with the portal, man. And next year it's going to be even more bananas. You'll see, you will see Deion Sanders flip recruits that are going to see top 10 programs based on how he finishes this season. A seven or eight win Colorado Buffalo team, they're in the mix. There's no other way to say it. The Colorado Buffaloes is in the mix next year, for sure, for sure. So I agree 150%. Andy, well, to I, that I time, think- we got- yeah, go ahead, bro. No, no, I was just gonna say, like the just I was I actually wanted to Google something while we while you were going through there. Completely mm. forgot that Shiloh got taken to the ER after uh he did. after that Oregon game. And his status is also up in the air. So this is you know, if you're somebody who likes to maybe have a little fun with some sports betting on the side here, yeah, though you've you've got so many injuries to be on the lookout for because if Shiloh and Travis Hunter are both out, this game is fundamentally different than what we're talking about here. But if they're both in it's yeah. also fundamentally different the other way around too. So it, it, this is one of those this is one of those games you just got you got to really watch the pregame, stay on the Twitter, you know, keep up to date with the Colorado beat writers because there's a yeah. lot up in the air with this game before it kicks off uh, Saturday afternoon. No ifs ands buts about it, man. So hey, Andy, we're to that point. Where we got to pay some bills on Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast College Football Preview. If you're watching with us live on YouTube, give us about ten seconds, fifteen seconds. We'll be back as we just plug the ads and we'll go from there. But thank you for rocking out with me and Andy P on the Fans First College Football Preview Level Up Podcast. We'll be back in ten. and gentlemen boys and girls we are back on hump day wednesday 9 27 2023 andy p and big g rocking out on the fans first sports network level up podcast talking college football central and the hot games andy we've been good all year about our picks with shows if i look back and saw i think you only lost like one or two games i think i only lost like one or two games so we've been giving great information to the fans out there so that was the decision for us to talk about putting this thing live out on YouTube because we want the feedback from the people on the Fans First Sports Network channel outside of getting the stuff from Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So we're putting it out there because we want the interaction between us and the people that love college football. So that, that way we can dive, give some people some information, maybe let some people hedge some bets, maybe let some people win a little piece of money. You know how we do over here, Andy, at the Level Up Podcast for sure, for sure. So look. We're in our third game of the week. Andy, this is a game that's near and dear to my brother's heart. And so all you guys <laughs> out there, I'm not, I don't hate the Texas Longhorns, right? I don't, I don't have bias against Texas Longhorns. But sometimes I got a way of just it sounds like it's scratching the chalkboard, bro. Because my, my brothers are die, my family are diehard Texas people. They're all in Austin, Texas. They 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 hook them horns every week and all whatever else. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about the Kansas-Texas game this week played in Austin because I think this is the biggest game. I think this game is more pivotal, in my opinion, to the Longhorns than the Alabama game was. And this is the reason why. This is their going out party from their current conference, which is the Big 12. And they're moving over to the SEC next year. And even the commissioner of the Big 12 has had something to say about hoping that another team outside of Texas and Oklahoma is able to win the conference. So guess who we got walking into Austin this weekend? A pissed-off Kansas Jayhawk team that got rocked last year by Texas, and they feel like it's time for a little bit of payback. So, Andy, give me your preview about Texas Longhorns versus the Kansas Jayhawks in Austin, Texas. 
Yeah, this is one of those games where I think we're going to learn a lot more about Texas than we learned about uh, them from the Alabama game. And the reason mm-hmm. is we have seen in the past Quinn Ewers gets up for the big games. Red River, yeah. Alabama. If it's if it's one of those helmet games, he is down to play. He is down to be one of the best quarterbacks out there. Yeah. When it's not a helmet game, Quinn Ewers tends to do some things that make you go, huh, this might be why you didn't win the quarterback competition at Ohio State. This might Facts. be why. This this is kind of why you 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 ended up going into the portal. And yeah. this is a Kansas team that on paper is probably one of the weaker undefeated teams that are remaining. You know, they're they're mm. 4-0. I don't want to take anything away from them. But their strength of schedule to date uh, has only been is 96th in the entire country. They're mm. ranked 40th in SP plus in efficiency mm. ratings. They're ranked 48th. You know, they're they're just one of those teams that right now has played a really poor schedule, taking care Facts. of business, but but hasn't done so in a convincing manner. And a lot of that is because of the defense. The defense has just been really inconsistent it's been untrustworthy it's ranked as you know a bottom half unit in in the entire country sp Mm. plus has it as the 84th unit in the country you know uh, efficiency hates it even more it has it as the 78th worst defense in the country Mm. so this is a unit that if quinn ewers is on texas is going to put up a lot of points but when they played rice they only scored 37 points when they mm-hmm. played Wyoming, they only put up 31 points. And mm-hmm. unlike Wyoming and Rice, this Kansas team can move the football. They might be one of the smartest offenses that you're going to face the entire rest of the way. Um, Facts. And, and uh, by, by any metric that you look at, Texas is playing a top 25 offense that can mm-hmm. run the ball and pass the ball efficiently. They It is very difficult to get a read on what their scheme is going to be in terms of mm-hmm. play calling, breakdown. And it is we saw Alabama, uh, we saw Alabama this past week beat Ole Miss, and they put mm-hmm. up the same number of points against Ole Miss that they put up against Texas. Right. So I'm I'm not saying that the Texas defense is an elite. I'm just saying that good offenses can put up points on this Texas defense. So it all comes down to Mr. Quinn Ewers here. Are you going to be consistently great? Or are we going to get one of those games from you where this is going to be close at halftime or Kansas is you know, going to be ahead at half because you've been spending the first half trying to force throws that you shouldn't be making, missing the layup throws that you need to make in order to get into a rhythm? Man, I, I, man, I hear all those points, man, and I agree with 99.999999%. But I got one little thing, man, because I was talking to my brother about this earlier, man. I, by watching the All-22 film on Patreon and looking at some of the highlights going on with Texas, there's a weakness in their secondary. His his name is Jaron Thompson, number 28. By the way, that's the kid that got killed twice by Alabama on deep passes by Jalen Milrow, right? And so the issue is, can Jalen Daniel, the senior quarterback from Kansas, that is very – for those that don't know about Jalen Daniel, Jalen Daniel is very respectable as a quarterback. He's thrown for about 900-something yards out there. He's a definitely RPO. I just – let me say this. He's, to me, a poor man's version of DTR from UCLA last year. He can do the same stuff DTR does. But where Kansas – and they impressed me by watching them – is they got two running backs. This One's rushed for like 300 and one's rushed for like 400. So they pound that rock. And their offensive line is one of the bigger offensive lines – out there in college football. So I'm like, okay, how can Texas be had? Texas has got great defensive linemen, big-time defensive tackles, big-time defensive ends, but let's hit them with a play-action RPO and see if the guy can run a cross route and get wide open because 28 can be had. And I don't care. Listen, we've seen enough college football this year where defensive coordinators can't hide the weak link. Teams will attack. Once they find you and identify you, they will attack, 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 and attack. And that's why I think Dylan Thompson's in a little bit of trouble. So I I think that this game is going to be a lot closer than what most people think, especially because I believe that Kansas's defense is serviceable. And if Texas comes out with a vanilla game plan and they don't attack, where I think that they can attack 
Kansas, is their tight ends. I think Texas has two of the better tight ends in the country. And that middle zone read where yours is not always looking for Xavier Worthy over the top, you know, and he's looking, okay, let's push the ball. And let's see if Stark can have the play calling that he had against Alabama to get those tight ends open. So, Andy, that's just my points. You got any some secondary points concerning that? You brought up the one thing that I think is the the X factor in this game. Sark mm. has been one of the great coaching rehab stories that we've seen mm. in the sport the last few years. Uh, mm. This is a guy who at times looked like he was pretty clueless when it came to play calling. Facts. Very good at the scripted stuff. Very bad at the live stuff. And against Alabama, that was the biggest reason that Texas won. And so I'm with you. If Texas comes out with a vanilla game plan, they can get got. If Sark mm. is willing to treat this game like the best of the Big 12 game that he should be, yeah. I think that we're going to be sitting here talking about, you know, Texas winning this game by a couple of scores. Uh, and, and it's going to be because Sark finds that little weakness in the Kansas defense that he can exploit over and over again, like he yeah. did against Bama with the zone run game that they were running. You know, you, you no one thought that you could run on Bama. And what Sark did was break down the game into certain play calls and to certain combinations that Facts. put Alabama on the back foot. And then they were able to run the ball effectively against that defense. It was something, it was one of the more impressive coaching things that I've, I've seen so far this season. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, Andy, since we broke it down and we talked about it, oh, yeah, Timothy Lyons, we're going to get to the pick, man. But I'm going to swing it to Andy first, man, because Andy's got good information with his picks, man. He, me and him normally line up together, but every now and then we got something that's, I don't know, it just be a little bit of tension. But we're going to see this <laughs> week who Andy P picks for the Texas Longhorns versus the Kansas Jayhawks. Andy, who you got and what's your score, bro? Yeah, I think that this is one of those ones where I'm looking at the Vegas line and it says Texas by 16 and a half points, and I do not like that at all. Mm. Uh, I I think that this is going to be a 14 to, you know, 10 to 14 point win for the Longhorns. I do think that this is going to be a game where Texas is going to start slow, mm. and then in the second half, they make the adjustments necessary to win. So give me Texas 34 to 20. I think that this mm. game goes into halftime. I think has, I think Kansas is winning this game at halftime, like seventeen to ten, and it's going to get real interesting in the second half. Yeah, I, I Andy, I like that call, man. I think that Texas will make some adjustments at halftime, definitely. But I could see them definitely going in at halftime down, right? But I don't think that body for body, player for player, Texas probably has their best roster that they've had, maybe since the 08 Texas team. The team yeah. that, that that had Colt McCoy playing quarterback and all whatever else, that was a pretty good Texas Longhorn depth team. This It's not for all you Texas Longhorn fans out there. This ain't Vince Young and the 0405 Texas Longhorns. Don't get it twisted. But they have, a very, they have a lot of NFL players, future NFL players on their roster. Where I might see 3-4 on Kansas team, there might be 14-15 on Texas's team. So just because of that, Blue chip rating always has me when you got games where you play ranked teams and where they play at. So the time and date and blue chip ranking versus blue chip ranking, Texas has Kansas on that. So I'm going to take the Longhorns, but I think it's going to be close. I'm going to say 31-27 Texas with a score late to win. But I'm going to tell you something, Andy, and here you heard it here first. Let yours get out there and get to tripping and Kansas get a big time lead. Yours is going to the bench, man. <laughs> They're going to bring Murphy in at quarterback for them Longhorn guys, man, because that kid can play. That kid can play. I don't care what people say. I know that you got Arch Manning sitting there ready to rock. He's still too young. He's, he's not ready to go. But that Murphy kid could get in and makes a difference. So, yours, you can play yourself continuing on the pace of the Heisman Trophy, or you just might be headed to the bench <laughs> this, this week. But I like the Longhorns to win the game 31-27 in Austin for sure. Andy, we're to a game that, you know, first of all, let me say this. I got to say this, man. And, and I wasn't going to do this to him, but I got to <laughs> do it to him, man. I wasn't going to do it. Lane Kiffin, you are a scrub, dude. You are a scrub as a coach, man. I don't understand. You had Bama dead to rights. You had them dead, dead to rights, and you refused to make any adjustments to beat your nemesis, right? 
And you you know what? I don't think Lane Kiffin will ever beat Nick Saban based on what I saw because they had the team to do it this year. And so his play calling, being a scrub and all whatever else, you know, you're not going for the gusto. You didn't let Dart get out and do what he does. I got issues with you, Lane Kiffin. So you get our first scrub award for sure on the Level Up College Football Podcast. And because of that, we got to talk a little bit about the game that you're playing this week. So we got the LSU Tigers going into Oxford, Mississippi, with Ole Miss coming off of a getting they 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 mailbox handed to them, lunch handed to them by Bama. And LSU's red hot. Don't look, ladies and gentlemen. They lost to Florida State, but ever since then, they've been balling. So, Andy, who you got this week between LSU and Ole Miss? And talk to me a little bit about the game. Give me a preview about what's going on. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I thought that Lane Kippen, for all the talk that he did leading up to that game, where he was saying that, you know, oh, we know who Alabama's real defensive coordinator is. We know what schemes they're going to come out with. That was probably one of the more uninspired offensive efforts I've ever seen. And it's not like Alabama's defense is unbeatable like it's been in years past. We literally just saw – we just saw Sark, and we just got done praising Sark for how good of a game he called against that Alabama uh, defense and was able to put massive points against them. So Lane Kiffin right now is in my doghouse, and – when you're looking at LSU, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier uh, with the Pac-12 conversation. There are just certain games where you go into it realizing losing this game is going to put you out of the conference race. And yeah. if you're LSU, the SEC this year, incredibly mediocre in terms of where the SEC normally is. One top Georgia's 10 gonna, team. One top 10. That's it. Yeah. Right. Georgia's going uh, to run the table, and that's fine. But if you're LSU, Alabama, you know, Ole Miss, you're looking at, okay, how do we get into that SEC championship game uh, mm. against uh, against Georgia? And sure. un- unfortunately for LSU, they have to go to Tuscaloosa later in the season. Uh, they get Florida uh, at home. But their next mm. two weeks, they've got Ole Miss on the road and they got Missouri on the road. And those mm. are two teams that are both – I know that their play style is different, different – but if you look at them statistically, they basically break down to be a very similar profile where Ole Miss yeah. and Missouri are both, you know, above average offense, a pretty average defense, below yeah. average special teams. It allows you to be a top 25 team when you've got that blue chip talent uh, yeah. because you're going to beat a lot of schools that don't have that blue chip talent. But yeah. when you go up against the best of the best, you just don't got it. And I think mm-hmm. that for the for LSU – I think a lot of us watched that Florida State game and thought they were soft. I definitely did that. I've definitely made that mistake so far this season. LSU yeah. is not soft. Uh, no. The last three weeks, Brian Kelly and that team have been on a mission offensively and defensively to win the battle in the trenches. It yeah. doesn't matter really what they do to you. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of scheme they're running. LSU is going to beat you into the ground in the trenches, and I don't see anything else happening to uh, in this game besides LSU doing that uh, to Ole Miss. The only area of concern I have, the secondary at LSU is not where it should be. Cornerback yeah. you and all that stuff. Yeah, they're relying on never. Like, listen, never cornerback you. Never. I well, <laughs> we can get into that another time. But <laughs> I love, I, I I love my boy Deuce Chestnut. He you know he was a four star that Syracuse was able to get transferred yeah. to LSU. He has not looked good this year, and he's still getting trotted out there as one of the main two cornerbacks uh, mm. for for that team. It's just that I don't I don't trust Lane to go out there and take the big swings. If you're not going to do it against Bama, you're not going to do it against LSU. That's fine. So what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. I, I agree, Andy. I think that, like I said, Lane Kiffin got the scrub award, man. But and it's because I listen. As far as an offensive mind and football is concerned, he's up there with the Lincoln Rileys. He's up there with the guys who can put it down and put it together and come up with a plan to beat you. And I've seen time and time again, over and over again with Ole Miss, that he doesn't come up big in big-time games. Yeah, they beat Tulane. They were supposed to be Tulane. But I'm talking about when you line up and you're like, okay, mono-e-mono, player-on-player, five-star chip athletes, five-star chip athlete, and he lays an egg, and he does it consistently. So I can't go with him. On the other hand, Kelly had me worried a little bit about LSU. 
I thought that LSU wasn't so much as soft, but as that I didn't think that Kel, Brian Kelly had the winning mindset or winning attitude to go into Baton Rouge and say, look, guys, we're not going to lose games that we're not supposed to lose. We're going to win everything we're supposed to. So the, the loss against Florida State now that we play some games doesn't look as bad. And I'm like, okay, how's the quarterback look for LSU? Daniels has been playing. He's not been – he looked really good the other day against Texas A&M. He's not a scrub, man. So I'm like, okay, who's going to have the fight and who's going to play hard and who's not? Ole Miss for – Andy, I don't know if you know this or not. Do you know who Ole Miss's highest winning percentage is at home in the SEC at night? You know, you know what I, it is? I do not know. LSU. Ole uh, Miss beats LSU, man. For some reason, I don't know why they beat them. So we got a night game. And we're going to see what's going on. Is the sun's going to be going down and it's going to be some play at night. And we're going to see. So saying all that, Andy, LSU Ole Miss, who you got? Statistically, these two teams are relatively even matched. Like, there's not a ton that you really look at and you say that, oh, there's there's a bad matchup here that you can mm-hmm. that you can really take advantage of. The one thing that I will say, uh, LSU this season, they are the second best team at early down efficiency. And what does that mean? It means basically on first and second down, they are getting eight to ten yards consistently. Man, and Andy, again, great facts. Great facts, man. And against this and this Ole Miss defense, they are 105th in early down defensive success rate. So yeah. essentially, I think that this is a game that's going to be won on first and second down, and LSU is going to win that battle more often than not. Give me LSU 24 to 17. I think that this is going to be a game where it's going to stay a single score the whole way through. But I don't think it's ever really going to be close. I think Ole Miss is going to be trailing this game most of the time. Man, Andy, I agree 150%. Not even <laughs> just with the pick of LSU, but the score of LSU. And guess what them Ole Miss Rebels might be telling Lane Kiffin at the close of this game? Man, go kick rocks, dude. Go kick rocks <laughs> and go find another team that you're supposed to put this great offensive power out on the field with. i like the LSU Tigers to maybe even beat them a little bit harder. Because I think they're just tougher than them, man. And for whatever reason, Lane Kiffin don't got it. So I like LSU to pop Ole Miss this week for sure down there in Oxford. Andy, we got to take another quick commercial break, play a little couple bills. We're going to come back and preview our last game on the Fans First Sports Network Level Up podcast with Andy P and Big G. Give us 10 and we'll be right back. you guys we're back rocking out on fans first network we thank all you guys rocking with us this week on our first live broadcast of the level up podcast with andy p and big g you can hear us on simulcast played out on tuesdays on fans first sports network on spotify and apple Podcasts. but moving forward we're going to be rocking out with you guys on mondays live on youtube we did very little sharing with people we just was going on a test run seeing who's out there seeing who like it who's seeing who's not we got some feedback so moving forward we're going to be rocking out live every week on the fans first sports network level up college football podcast live with me and andy p andy we come to the last game of the schedule before we talk about it andy i just gotta hold this up for everybody man go bucks (laughs) <laughs> Go we were able to pull out the win 17-14 against Notre Dame I don't care how you cut it I don't care if they had 10 men on the field I don't care what happened with what 17-14 the dub for the Buckeyes but Notre Dame's not a bad team I'm not making fun of them I think Notre Dame's a real team for sure for sure but going in this week Notre Dame's got to go to Duke who in my opinion manhandled Clemson, in my opinion, and it's undefeated and it's strong. So we got a huge game between the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the Duke Blue Devils. Andy, talk to me a little bit about your preview this week between Notre Dame and Duke. 
It's one of the weirdest things in the world that we're talking about the ESPN college game day game heading down to Durham, North Carolina, going for to, football, <laughs> for football, for a beautiful yeah. campus. It's a beautiful time. If you ever get down there, it's a great, great spot to go. But Mike Elko, man, here is a dude. Man. I think that taught like not talking about the game, just talking about the stuff off the field right here. Mike Elko is a name that is going to get tossed around all off season long. Like what he's Facts. been able to do this season with Duke. Uh, I'll go into some of the stats of just how good they are on both sides of the ball in a second mm-hmm. here. But this is this is the kind of turnaround that you did not think was possible at an ACC at a ACC school. And if yeah. you're in the Big Ten or you're in the SEC and those conferences are about to get so much harder with the new teams that you're adding in, you yep. want somebody who can make you competitive from day one. Mike Elko is that guy. Facts. And I I am really intrigued to see if Duke Duke is willing to drop the bag for football and keep Elko there long term and maybe build this into something else. Mm. Um I I will say this, Tim. <laughs> they they right now they might be a better uh, football school than a basketball school right yeah, now. I'm telling you right now. Be. Yeah. Because this Duke team, again, I love my SP plus, I love my efficiency metrics. Duke has played a very weak strength of schedule as of now. The 85th outside of the uh, outside of the Clemson win, they have played absolutely nobody. They manhandled a, a UConn team that I don't even think should be D1 at this moment. Uh, you're you're dealing you're dealing with a Notre Dame that is pretty battle tested to this point, and a Duke team that we haven't seen play anybody. But the numbers tell you that Duke is a top 25 team by every metric. And they are just remarkably consistent. You know, they've got yes. the 10th best rushing offense. They've got the 20th best passing offense, 14th best early down offense, according to, to uh, offensive efficiency metrics. And then if you go on defense, it's basically the same thing. You know, very, very similar numbers across the board. The only diff- the only thing that makes me pause is that in this matchup, Notre Dame is better than them at everything. And I think we saw it in that Ohio State game. Facts. Notre Dame, Notre Dame if you want to play slow and dirty, they will play you slow and dirty, and they can win a lot of those individual downs. If you want to play high-flying and you want to let Sam Hartman try to beat you with his arm, we saw that against NC State, which has a pretty solid defense. Sam Hartman can beat you with his arm. Mm-hmm. And I think what this game is really going to come down to is that, to date, Duke has done a fantastic job of taking advantage of opponents' mistakes. Clemson got down into the red zone, didn't score touchdowns. They didn't get field goals either. Uh, you know, you've seen it, you, you know, they've been a very opportunistic defense when given the opportunity and as much as we, you know, I don't know if this is the reason that they lost the game, but if you're the Notre Dame fighting Irish, you had 10 men on the field for the two most important plays of your season. That is coaching errors. That is mistakes. That's the kind of stuff that Duke will take advantage of in a game. Yeah. So. You know, my my logic brain says that this game is going to be a toss-up game. My my heart, you know, the part that watches college football week in and week out and knows that weird things happen. You know, I, I Tim, I, I'm with you. Marcus Freeman is going into that coach's room. He's going into those individual player groups, and they're going to be sharp this week. This is probably the best week of practice that Notre Dame is going to have all season long. This is probably going to be the best game plan that they've had going into a game all season long. I just think that Notre Dame is going to bring their best effort. And when you're Notre Dame and you're bringing your best effort against Duke, doesn't matter if Duke brings their best effort. It's just, you're just not going to match the athletes and the talent that they, that Notre Dame is going to bring to the table. Facts, facts. I agree. Hey, and I'm going to say this for, for all those Notre Dame fans out there, if Marcus Freeman doesn't get maximum effort out of his coaching this week, somebody's going to take a lap, buddy. Some somebody is out of here. <laughs> somebody is on the is on the fastest thing smoking out of South Bend, Indiana. You better believe it. But this, Tim, I mean, uh, Andy, this guy I think is going to be the, the the where the rubber hits the road. Can Riley Leonard make the big play against Notre Dame? Because he's shown that he's not going to throw interceptions. He's shown that he's going to take care of the ball. He's shown that he'll lean heavily on the running game and even the RPO game a little bit because the kid's sort of an athlete. But to beat Notre Dame, you got to be willing to take shots down the field in zone coverage, wide zone, three-man zone, 
and and seam the ball right up the seam, i.e. what Kyle McCord did with Emeka Buka. When the money was on the line, he hit him for a 30-yarder. And guess what? Duke doesn't have an Emeka Buka. Duke doesn't have a Marvin Henderson Jr. Duke doesn't have a Travion Henderson. They don't have those guys. Do they have athletes? Do they have guys that are tough? Guys that will play hard? Absolutely. But athlete for athlete, Notre Dame's got them. And I personally believe, I rock with Tim with this. I don't look for the Irish to lose another game. I think that they're going to beat USC. I think they're going to beat Clemson. And I think they're going to beat Duke. But before I get to my prediction and the score, Andy, your score for the Duke-Notre Dame game this week. I love SP Plus because one of the nice things about the way that the model is set up is that they run game predictions and game simulations. Yeah. I use those a lot when I'm making my picks. You know, they have this game coming out 28 to 25 in favor of Notre Dame. I think that that's a little close. I think that this game is going to end with Notre Dame winning 35 21. I think it'll be close for a while, but like you said, Riley Leonard has only thrown two touchdown passes on 99 attempts so far this season. Like that is just not going to cut it against this uh, Notre Dame defense. I think that Duke will play very safe. I think Duke will play a very solid game, but in that third and fourth quarter, when Duke is trailing by two scores and they got to start taking shots because the clock is ticking away when Mm -hmm. Notre Dame's handing the ball off to one of the best running backs in the country, Mm-hmm. Do you're going to see that talent differential? You're going to see some mistakes be made. Notre Dame's going to capitalize and uh, run out of Durham with the win and get right back on track. Yeah, I think this is a game where Notre Dame's going to prove to the country that they still should be in the contention for uh, playing for the college football playoff. And I, like I said, I don't think they're going to lose another game, but I think that Notre Dame's pissed off. I mean, I I really do believe that Sam Hartman is pissed off. And if you go back and look traditionally when Sam Hartman lost games in the ACC, when he was playing for Wake Forest, he came out the next week and just mauled and destroyed the next thing he was playing. But now he's got more talent that he's playing with with Notre Dame versus being down there at Wake Forest. So I look for Notre Dame maybe to go ball to the wall and like mash these guys. I'm going to say Notre Dame 42, Duke 24 and a blowout. And the Irish are back on track and elevate themselves back maybe into the top 10 and still be in the conversation. I've said this on my other podcast that I'm on too, and I believe this wholeheartedly. At the end of the day, if Notre Dame's not playing in a conference and they run the table and they run the schedule, they will have the best loss of any team remaining with one loss because their loss will be to Ohio State who possibly could go undefeated. So when you start talking about Big 12 champion, ACC champion, Pac-12 champion, they all got one loss. Notre Dame's not in a conference, but their losses to the Buckeyes. So come on, man. You got to give Notre Dame some love and Notre Dame some respect. Even though I'm happy as all get up that the Buckeyes was able to go and do what they were supposed to do in South Bend, Indiana, I'm still going to show some respect to Notre Dame. So I think Notre Dame will definitely pull this game out for sure, for sure. Andy, we're to the end of the podcast. You know how we wrap it up on the Level Up podcast. Give me your parting shots for the week so that we leave our fans and we give them something to look forward next week going into the Level Up College Football Podcast on Fans First Sports Network. I will tell you all right now that if my Syracuse Orange are able to defeat the Clemson Tigers on noon, uh, at Ooh. noon on ABC, we will be leading off next week's show talking about Syracuse versus North Carolina. <laughs> I am going to be annoyingly insufferable about my Orange. Uh, my, I just don't know if that's going to happen. But you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Blue on Blue Sky on Substack at AC Pregler. Uh, I'll be talking all things college football, Orange on all those places. Uh, and again, if you are somebody that wants to listen back to the show in my uh, new email newsletter that I send out every week, I'll be sending out the date to the live stream uh, that we're going to do the next show. And I send out the uh, the podcast version of, on Spotify in that as well. So that way you don't have to miss you don't have to miss a single show that we do. Facts, man. Well, yeah, for sure. For sure. We, if you guys out there, please make sure you take the opportunity to listen to Andy. Andy brings knowledge and sports information like nobody out there that I've heard. He does his research and he looks out and looks for information. He brings great information. He's ACC biased. Don't get it twisted. But he oh, has a love oh, yeah. and a passion for college football, <laughs> especially them Syracuse Orangemen. Hey, but Andy, before I get to my parting shots, I got to tell you, 
Man, Dabo Sweeney is tire fire, dog. He's tire fire. It's time for Dabo to go on a Clemson. It's all over with, buddy. So I'm cheering for those Syracuse Orangemen this week to pull the upset on Clemson for sure, for sure. Hey, but listen, party shots from Big G this week on the Level Up podcast. Make sure that you like and subscribe. And all those people out there, share this, this podcast with your friends. We are going to bring you top-level, top-notch college football information out there. Check out what Andy's talking about with his research and all those places where you can go and find that information. Don't forget to check out Patreon.com where you can watch the All-22 film. And if you want to get another perspective on the Fans First Sports Network channel, please make sure you check me out. Oh, in about an hour, I'll be on the Pump Your Breaks podcast on the Fans First Sports Network, Steel Curtain Network, with Triple OG, Triple OG, Shannon, Shannon, Tape Boy Fresh, you know how we get out. I'll be on Friday with the Homies Podcast and the Homies All Overtime with B-Dirt and my boy Payday as we talk football just in general, but especially AFC North stuff. And then check me out on the Know-It-Alls Podcast on Sundays with Mod, with Tape Boy Fresh as we rock out and cover all sports content across the road. But me and Andy P ain't just going to be here for you for football. We're going to be here for basketball season too because we're going to have some good basketball this year going on in college for sure, for sure. So thank you guys for rocking with us and with us for the first time live on YouTube. Andy P, Big G, Level Up Podcast, Fans First Sports Network. We'll check you guys next week. Peace.